Hello, friends, and welcome to another Robcast. And this one has been in the works for months. And Beth Fukumoto is here. Beth, welcome to the Robcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All the way from Hawaii? Yes. <laughs> Beth is the youngest female caucus leader in America. In America, yeah. A state legislator from the great state, the 50th state, 50th Hawaii? 50th state, yes. Um, and she and I have had some fascinating conversations about politics. The first time we met, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the Robcast people are going to <laughs> love her. So let's start. You grew up in Hawaii. I grew up in Hawaii, yes. Then you went to college in, I want to say New York? Uh, Georgetown. Georgetown. No, so my mom's from New York, but I went to college at Georgetown in D.C. Um, to study English literature. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you really? I did, yeah. Not politics at all. <laughs> and then after, you went back to Hawaii. I went back to Hawaii because it was the recession. So yeah. I was going to go get my Ph.D. because I wanted to be a writer and a professor. And so I decided I'd just go back to Hawaii for a little bit before I took out student loans, right? During the recession, it was a terrible time to take out loans. Um, and ended up working at the legislature. That's how I got this involved. This is a classic <laughs> case where when you find out what people are doing and then you find out what they studied and majored in. Oh, yeah. No correlation. Nothing at all. No. You were going to be a writer and a professor. Yeah. I want to argue critical thinking is important in politics or should be more important should be than more maybe important, it yes. is. <laughs> um, and, and you get that from English literature. Ah, oh, good point. Yeah. So you get a job in state legislator. Mm-hmm. Filing papers. That was my job. How old are you at this point? Um, 26, master's degree. Uh, my job was filing papers. Like yeah. literally, these go in the V literally, section. These go in the L section. Yes. I, it was, well, it was bill numbers. <laughs> so I had to put them in order, like 2,000 bills in order every day. That was it. Just putting them in order. Did you get into it and think this is so boring? Um, so what I ended up doing was just listening to people talk around me. I was in the research department filing papers. So I was listening to researchers talk about why people were passing certain bills and why, um, sort of the politics behind all the measures and nobody pays attention to the person filing papers. So you just overhear everything and it got me interested. Ah, because it's almost like you're getting behind the veil, behind the curtain. Right, right. And seeing how a state or how government actually works. Yep. And were you seeing things where you thought... That's crazy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people were saying all sorts of things where I just thought, really, that's why this person is voting no on this bill because they don't like this other person? This is crazy. This is how... And and I had stayed away from politics just because I wasn't all that interested. Um, but once I started hearing this, I just thought this is... I mean, I think the word that, that always came to mind was just unjust. It just didn't seem like right <laughs> to Did be Did you like see... That money being spent in all sorts of ways? Yeah, I think, you know, that was the other thing is how much um, how much wealth really influences uh, the political process. And that bothered me quite a bit, too. Quite a bit. But because you're a paper filer, yeah, people yeah. are saying stuff in front of you. All kinds of stuff. Not yeah. knowing that you're soaking yeah. it all in. Yeah. And 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 I was I was maybe a politician before my time. I, I knew to put, like, headphones in, <laughs> like, pretend that was filing stuff. But I could hear through the, you know... <laughs> So people are just ignoring me, but I was like, oh, that's so how long? So you do this job, and how long are you into this job, and then what happens? Um, I did it for about a year, and um, I ended up becoming an office manager for one of the representatives. Uh, again, just because I needed a job, and from there, got Which to know like a little bit more about the process. Paper. Right, yeah, and so then I started dealing with his constituents, right, and, and people would call for all sorts of things. You know, there's a crack in my sidewalk outside, or... Um, don't raise my taxes or whatever it is. 
Um, and then from there, ended up being the director of that department that I was filing papers in. <laughs> so at some point, I became like the director of research and was studying all the bills, which is fun. And you do that, and then at some point, you're like, "There's, we can do more here. Yeah, I think, um, and I don't know at what part of the process, maybe it was even in filing papers that I finally just thought, you know what, I think the biggest thing is that there weren't enough voices. Like, I was watching the legislature thinking, okay, well, I'm in a state that's that's 93% controlled by one party. Um, and which is Democrat. Which is Democrat. 93% Democrat, 7% right. Republican. And I was And you don't have for, any affiliation. Not at that point. You don't care. No. Um, but in this research department, I had gotten in this funny side story. When I had applied for the job, I thought minority research was like ethnic minorities. And I was like, hey, I'm Japanese. Like I can work here. And so <laughs> I applied and not realizing it meant Republican, um, but started working there being like, whoa, these people are like way outnumbered. And that's not cool. Like I, I, I always like I like underdogs. So right. I didn't like that they were so outnumbered. Um, and so the, it wasn't a f- at that point, it wasn't an affiliation with a Democratic or a Republican set of I, I, uh, ideas or values. It was this 93% group dominates this 7% yeah. group. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and I didn't feel like that represented the state well because I, I didn't think the state was that strongly in one party. Um, it just – or that strongly partisan in general, but somehow this one party dominated everything across the state and and listening and seeing what the effects of that were that there was really no dialogue when somebody would have an idea everybody would just say yeah okay that's a good idea because they were all one party but nobody was ever arguing for an alternative perspective and that bothered me because they talk about the need for a loyal opposition right is not to bog it down or to create bureaucratic red tape the reason why you need like in a marriage or a family or business or anything, you need somebody going, is this the best way to spend that money? Is right. this the best? Right. And you saw what happens when there's no loyal opposition. When there's nothing, yeah. Or when the loyal opposition is only a group of people that just says no all the time. Like they don't even think about it. They're just like, no, this is a Democrat idea, so I'm going to vote no because I'm a Republican. So I was also not crazy about the Republicans necessarily because I right. looked at it and thought, this is you guys are not doing this the right way. <laughs> Um, it's wow. not doing justice to what the system is supposed to be. I love um, late night cable TV when they show British Parliament questions <laughs> of the Prime Minister. Yeah. yeah. And it's shouting and they're heckling. <laughs> and the Prime Minister is doing this live on the fly Q&A, which I love. Yeah. And it's so messy and cacophonous. And yet it's also sharp mm-hmm. because an idea has to be able to handle all these bullets flying at it. But yeah. if it can, then everybody goes, well, then we should probably do it. Right. And and that's that's the way it's supposed to work, but it doesn't seem to work that way because people aren't really, and this is a small level, but even at a larger national level, people aren't really talking to each other. They're just shouting at each other. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think when you look at that other systems of government or even American government in the past, people were much better at listening. You fight it out and then you say, okay, your idea survived. We'll all agree to move on and, and move forward. So then, so now you're head of research, <laughs> minority research, yeah, yep, <laughs> which is not Japanese research, right? Apparently. Which now I get is Republican research. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens? Um, so I was actually the party chair for about a month, which was interesting because um, the party chair left and they needed somebody to fill in. And eventually, I decided, um, 
you know, I can do all this behind the scenes stuff, but really if we want more voices, I can keep empowering the people that currently exist or I can just try to jump in there myself um, and be a leader. And so, you know, I decide to run for office. So you go down and you file, you fill out a form, I want to run for state legislator? So the first time was incredibly naive. I think um, I started probably 28 at that point. Are there other 28-year-old Japanese women running for public office at this time? Not, there might have actually been one other. Really? Um, Not, yeah. I mean, Hawaii's got a lot of Asian Americans. So, um, but there was one other who was also around my age. Um, But yeah, I, I... Started running, I think, in probably about August or September for the November election. It was crazy. There was just no way that I was ever going to win. Did you Did you tell any friends, hey, I'm going to run for public office? I did. I did. And I had, like, a pretty decent, like, I had my friends support me, which, which I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing to suddenly just say at, you know, And then you go out or, door to door? Yeah, you just start knocking on doors. And saying, I'm running. Uh, hi, my name is Beth Fukumoto. I'm, you know, running for a state representative. I'm just calling to, see, or calling to see or I'm just coming over to see if you have any questions. And that's it. And people tell you, I assume, all kinds of stuff. Oh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever knock on a door and have somebody say something that you were like, that is, um, I'm sure you've had just unbelievable encounters. Oh, there have been some very strange ones. Um, I mean, you, you, you run into all sorts of things. I mean, I had one person that, that, that threatened to shoot me for being on his doorstep. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so you've run into interesting characters. Yeah. People answer the door in their underwear. I mean, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, you start August, September, November election. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens? Um, I lost. So going in, we thought that we were going to win. Um, all the all the polls were showing that I was ahead. Um, turns out I had done pretty well on election day, but I had lost in the absentee ballot um, vote. So why is that? Uh, I think well, I started in like August or September, and I was running against an incumbent, and I just think there wasn't enough time for name recognition. Okay. Um, and and the absentee ballots go out like maybe a month before the actual voting day. So. Yeah. So did you go back to your other I went back to my job. Yeah, so I was working at the legislature again. Kept doing that. Then did you run again? I did. Yeah, and that was that was a. It, it took a while. I mean, once you once you running for public office is such an interesting experience that losing <laughs> uh, is so yeah. public too, right? And not right. everybody has that experience. So it took some time for me to decide. Yeah, you know what? This is worth going at it again. Um, but it was a different. It was a different seat, and I was running against a different incumbent. Um, and I, I was a couple years older, so. And you were running as a Republican. Yes. Yeah. Because against a Democrat. Yeah. Because of this, so you just picked, you picked Republican because you were, like there there has to be more loyal opposition. Yeah, and I I, I think generally I'm pretty moderate, so I feel like depending on the state, I could be either way. My political views are very moderate mm-hmm. and centrist. So for me, that was not, I'm. it was not that difficult of a decision either way. And so, but I really did feel like Republicans just needed a bigger voice or more people needed voices in the legislature. And this was my best path to do that. And then you ran again, mm-hmm. and what happened? And I won. Um, and the incumbent that I beat was a 16-year incumbent, and her husband had had the seat for 10 years before her. So I think for for me that that kind of meant a lot because it 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 was the goal. The goal was to really shake things up. Nobody thought I was going to win, um, 
everybody thought I was crazy for running against her. Um, so, so to be able to win that seat was a, was. And now you have an rewarding. office and you have a staff. Yeah. And you're a politician. Yeah, which is sometimes still a little surprising sometimes. <laughs> Why? Um, you know, I think when you're when you're growing up and you when you look at, I never would have considered running for office. When you're growing up and you look at politicians, you're like, oh, these people are crazy or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> They're, they're, they're really powerful or they're, they're really smart or that you just have all, all these ideas. And um, I think maybe I'm still like at that age where I don't feel old enough to be doing this, but I know I am. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have an office and you have employees. <laughs> right, and like, right. What is the thing when you got into the job that you didn't know it would be like? Um, What's the thing that most people don't know about what it's actually like to be a working politician? I think even politicians don't always recognize that it's really about relationships, that the relational side of it is not necessarily bad. People always talk about backroom deals and, and you know, this person voted yes on this because they liked that person or whatever it was. Um, and, and certainly some of that is bad, but at some level, it's just about building relationships, making sure that when you're sitting and talking to people, you're actually looking at your, your across the aisle or within your own your own party, you're finding out where that person's perspective is and why they're suggesting what they're su suggesting mm -hmm. and what solution they're trying to put forward and what problem they're trying to fix. And then you, it's easier to like come up with things that you agree with if you take time to actually listen to the other person um, and form those relationships. So I think people don't always understand how important relationships are. Fascinating. I remember you explaining to me there were there were policies where you would have voted one way, but your job is to represent yeah. your people. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody's always like, "Well, we need a politician who will." The, it seems like the modern election process is what does this person believe on all these issues? Right, right. And I remember you being like, "No, you're representing yeah. your people." Yeah. So you vote. Do you then sometimes vote for things that you're against? Because you have to represent them. Yeah, or, or vice versa. Just because um, at the end of the day, I think my job and, and the title representative comes from this idea, especially in the House, comes from this idea that, that you're empowered by the people that have elected you. And your job is to represent them. And so I have often found myself thinking, well, I don't actually know if this is a bad policy. But my district is calling me saying this is going to be terrible and they feel like this is it's going to cost too much or whatever it is. Um, and I, and I know I'm their voice. That's my job. So I'm not my own voice. Um, oh, and, really? Yeah. And so, and you just, you, so what, how do you think about, so you don't just speak your mind sometimes. You're like, I'm speaking the mind. Right. I, because I, I know I'm speaking for other people too. And that, that I think that that's a responsibility that I feel like I have, yeah. um, is not just to speak for myself. What is something that your, your district was completely for or against, and you were like, I, I cannot, but they're literally, they don't get it, or they don't see it, or they don't, or I'm just, has there been something where you were shocked or surprised or caught off guard by where they actually were? You know, I don't, I don't think I've been shocked or caught off guard. Because um, you know them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think at any point I've been like, whoa, I really didn't think that was going to happen. Um, I, I think generally, I, I, I know the district that I ran in. I, it's where I grew up. I, oh, I, I really? know these people. You yeah. know these people. Yeah, I know them. Yeah. Um, now, when you see the larger, so you're a Republican state legislator. Mm -hmm. 
tell me about the larger Republican Party yeah. in the larger states. What is that like for you to be a Republican now with the way things yeah, are? Yeah, I mean, little did I know when I ran for office um, and that this is the way things were going to go. Um, well, how would you, can you give more detail to that? Yeah. How things were going to go? I think, you know. <laughs> I'm so um, excited to hear you talk about this. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the background for me is, is I mentioned I am Japanese-American, um, a woman, I'm a millennial, and all of those things suggest that I should not be a Republican, right? If you right. look at the, the, <laughs> the demographics of the party. Um, and that's just, that's been such an interesting experience that I didn't know. I, I wouldn't have known that being in Hawaii, which is a majority minority state, there were Asian Americans in our party. There were women, there were... Um, some younger people. And so to get to know the national party better and to know that I actually am a very tiny minority in the larger party um, has been a very, very uncomfortable experience sometimes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you find yourself around a table and you're thinking, I don't see it like this way at all. Yeah. And you guys don't even know what I'm saying. Like sometimes I'll say things and just be like, oh, you guys, you, you don't, you don't even recognize the things that I'm saying right now. Like what now. would be like, something that you've been saying for a while? Um, so one of the things in Hawaii that we talk about all the time, um, because we're a majority-minority state and Republicans don't do well with minorities, I think that explains a lot of the reason why ho the Hawaii legislature is so lopsided. Um, we can't figure out how to win. So, so as the minority leader and as the leader of the Republicans, I came to the table and said, listen, we need to make sure that we're um, reaching out better, that we're actually taking a mindset that is a local mindset um, specific to Hawaii. And we're talking to people in a language that they listen to and understand that resonates. Um, and interestingly, the pushback that I got, I had somebody get very, very angry at me, um, an older white male, <laughs> very, very angry. And he just yelled at me and said, listen, Beth, we are the party of middle America. Our job is to take middle American values and to represent them in this state legislature. I don't care if the demographics don't fit. <laughs> I went, oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Our job is to impose yeah. something that isn't actually reflective of who these people are on them. Right. And I just went, And this is a, a older white man. Yeah. Saying our job is to impose this on minorities. Yeah. And I'm sure that's not what he thought he said. Like if we were to go back and I was to say, hey, you said this, he'd be like, that's not what I meant. But I knew what he meant. And because and it it hit me in a way that that I had felt that even though here I am the leader of Republicans in the House, it's something that I had felt nationally and locally um, just even when I was present in a room, that, that what I said mattered less. And nobody had ever articulated it, but as soon as it was out of his mouth, I went, oh, that's why we're losing. <laughs> you actually believe this. Wow. Yeah. Um, what, what, what has the presidential primary mm -hmm. been like for you? Yeah. When, um, you wa when you started watching the debates, yeah. as an actual working politician, how much, for those of us at home watching the debates, how much of that is is what actually it's like to represent people and make policy and lead? And, and oh, yeah. What's that? How do you sit? Do you sit home and watch it? 
Oh yes, I do. You will. throw things and yell, yeah, or are you like I yell just a lot? <laughs> do you really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do. Um, yeah, I think when when the when the process started, um, and, and especially Donald Trump and um, Ted Cruz, really people people started looking at them, being like, "Oh, they'll never win." So many Republicans nationally were telling me at at these larger events. Um, because I'm integrated with with the people that are also trying to change the party nationally, and so we're going to these events, and they're saying, "Oh, these guys are never going to win. Like the 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 moderate voice will win out. The reasonable voice is going to win out." And I'm looking at it, going, "No, I don't think so." Because I I know this party now, and I know what I'm facing as a politician, and and I know what voices I hear, and I think there's a really good chance that 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 voice, the voice of fear and anger, I think that could win. And so we're starting out the presidential process and we're seeing the nominees jump in and I'm thinking, oh, this is not looking good. But everybody else is saying, no, Jeb Bush is going to have it. Marco Rubio will take it. It's going to be fine. Um, and slowly but surely, right, like people start dropping out and I was like, oh, guys, this doesn't look good. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you saw this coming. Oh, I feel like I did. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, is it recently you've, you've said, you've publicly said what you think? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, I, before the primaries really, really got started, I think in like back in December, around December, I started doing interviews because all of these different, the, the media cycle has just been on these candidates, right? So, so we've been dealing, we've been running this election for like a year, right? We all have been watching this for a long time. Um, and news articles started popping up, um, specifically when, um, Donald Trump said that he was gonna, um, create a Muslim registry, um, which as a Japanese American, I remember listening to thinking, this is, makes me nervous because of Japanese internment. And, sure. um, it, this is sounding oddly similar to something that the U S government has done in the past that we sometimes like to forget. And, um, Tell, for people yeah. who aren't familiar with Japanese internment. Okay. So basically, during World War II, the U.S. government um, decided, when, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, decided to start uh, rounding up Japanese uh, Americans in, in America. And in Hawaii, uh, there weren't actually that many. There were, just, there were so many Japanese Americans, and um, there were people and policies in place that sort of kept everybody from, most people from internment. People that were um, in the continental U.S., Many of them lost their businesses, lost their homes. They got picked up by the government um, and taken to various internment camps around the United States. So you're Japanese. You have a family. You have a business. Your kids mm -hmm. are going to school. You're at, the U.S. government comes to your house, loads you into a truck, yep. hauls you to yep. a like a refugee camp, right, right, and, and feeds you three meals a day, and right. you just have to sets you up sometimes in like a horse stall and these very small um, compartments that people just have to live in. Um, and the U.S. Yeah. government did this yes. for tens of thousands of yes. Japanese yes. Amer yes. who are American citizens. Right, right. Uh, who are, yeah, many of whom were American citizens. Um, so it's not, it's not unprecedented. People listen to something like a Muslim registry or, or whatever it is and they, th they think, oh, but the U.S., we have protections in place. No. <laughs> um, we did this we've before, done it before in recent history. Yeah. And very, very recent history, yes. Uh, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 that's terrifying. Like that kind of rhetoric is is terrifying. People and many people just said, well, you know, he's just saying it to win. I don't care. I, that I, that's not okay with me. Um, and I, I remember being in D.C. I was at a conference um, that was like a bipartisan conference, and and I've been expressing to a number of the Republicans in other states, uh, Republican legislators, I have a pro- that I'm concerned. Um, and those of us that are like 35 and un- under often hang out a lot. And so I'm with these guys and, and we're at a bar and I'm, I'm telling them, you know, like this Muslim registry thing is really bad. And, and, and I'm explaining all this stuff and, and across the, they have Fox News or CNN on. And across the- You might the, be in the wrong bar, but go right? on. <laughs> you might <laughs> right. maybe go to a different bar. We're in DC, right? So <laughs> oh, okay. a, a, across, across the thing goes, um, uh, Donald Trump says- Japanese American internment might not have been a bad idea. And I just went, holy crap. And I like, it made everybody shut up. I was like, you guys, I, I literally just said, this is where this is going. And it was just, it was a terrifying moment for me. (laughs) I just thought, oh my gosh, like this is, this is our potential nominee, everyone. Like he just said that this might not be a bad idea. And so for me, I felt like that was the point at which gosh, how can you not say something? Right. Like, right. as one of the few, as as the youngest female caucus leader, as I think the only Asian American um, woman in a leadership position in the Republican Party, like, it, it just, I have to, I personally need to say something. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is crazy. Um, yeah. So I think that was the moment where I was just like, okay. So you started what doing interviews? Or- yeah. So I called, um, the first, the first thing I did, cause I was already in DC was, was I, I called the RNC. I called a few other people and just said, the Republican hey. national committee. Right. And said, Hey, do you guys need a surrogate to talk about how we don't agree with this? And the response I got was, well, nobody's really asking us. People are more concerned about what he's saying about building the wall and, you know, Speaker Ryan's going to say something, so it'll be okay. We don't, we don't need it. And I thought, oh, gosh, guys, we need it. We need it. Speaker Ryan is going to say something, so everything's going to be fine. Everything's fine. I was just like, oh, okay, okay. Um, you guys don't want a woman or, like, a Japanese-American to maybe say something? No, I think we're okay. All right. Um, and I don't think anybody even addressed, like, that specific. And, and it's, it's true, like, Japanese-American internment is a small... Yeah, small thing, I guess, in the grand scheme of all the things Donald Trump has said. But, um, yeah. But I, the spirit behind it. That was, or yeah. Or the, yeah. the way it opens the door right. to such a litany of abuses. Right. And degradations of what it means to be human. Right. That right. it's not just the thing, it's the thing behind the thing. Right. Which is a, I mean, that's like a, that's spiritually devastating, right. among other things. Right. And and why, I, I think that's that's the conversation that I've been trying to have with a lot of people in my own party is, don't we have to stop and take an assessment of why this guy is winning? <laughs> I, I think we need to actually think about this. Like, what is this a reflection of? Yeah, because we're looking at it saying, well, it's because, you know, people are angry. Okay, but maybe we should think about why they're angry and why we think the best way to fix their anger is to capitalize on it. Maybe we need to think about this better. Yes. Yeah. So you speak out. Yeah. And then what happens? Um, so there were a series I did, I did a, uh, an op-ed, um, that NBC picked up online and, and a few other things where I just said, Hey, this is not what the Republican party is supposed to be. 
um, there's more. There, there has to be more. This is the party that um, broke up the trusts. This is the party that ended child labor. This is the party that ended slavery. There is more. Um, and that, By that, the way, this is the party that ended slavery. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty fantastic... Like, I like to write books. That's right. a pretty good subtitle. Right? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why yeah. that? Yeah. Why you wouldn't own yeah. actual human liberation movements that you right. have been at the center of. Right. Um, that my friend has this phrase, making molehills out of mountains. <laughs> like, you're yeah. actually sitting on gold, right. and you manage to somehow not yeah. let people know. Right. I was... Uh, Consulting with an organization that gets people drinking water around the world, uh, Mm -hmm. they do lots and lots of different kinds of humanitarian work. But they had some stats on how many seconds, how how many people they get drinking water every couple seconds. Um, But, I mean, they build houses. They do a thousand other things. But I was like, how does everybody not know what you're, you know what I mean? Right. How have you managed to obfuscate? And right. hide this extraordinary thing that you're doing. Yeah. What, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, so, and then you get, what, you get pushback? You get... Yeah. So, so the pushback was kind of slow. I, I said, I had said at first, you know, as a Japanese American, I don't, I don't know that I can support, um, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to vote for Donald Trump. This is before he won the nomination. Um, and there were there were a few other things. I, I started talking about the party and how I thought the party could be different. And I'm getting decent feedback, but I'm also getting a lot of people start saying, um, I'm going to leave the party. And Who's going to leave? Me. That, like, oh. that I'm going to, that, that, that Beth Fukumoto is switching parties. That became like the, the, the grand narrative, if you will. Um, you critiquing from the inside. Right immediately became, oh, she's going to leave. She's secretly a Democrat. Like, that's what it was. She's a Democrat. <laughs> and I was secretly. like, well... Do you have thick skin? I do. I think I do. I I don't know that I did, like, a few years ago, but I definitely think I do now. <laughs> and is that just, uh, like, a muscle that you built up? Is that yeah. just from doing it? Or have you always been kind of badass? No, I think <laughs> I think that grows, right? Like, you, it, there's only so many times you can let things, like, really injure you, right? And, yes. And part of your yeah. job is people just feel free to say whatever they're thinking. Right, right. People are always criticizing something, so you kind of got to know when you're going to let yourself take, you know, you have to be able to decide this, this is not true. I'm going to put that aside. When people say things, do you ever get something stuck in your head on repeat that somebody said about you? Um, are you ever, are you ever like trying to go to bed at night and you're just like some person said, and you're just, I've gotten, I've, I've gotten better. I think in the past. Yeah. Um, but in, in the last couple of years, I think, um, I think a lot of my experiences in the past and getting into politics really young has really helped this last, especially this last year, which has been rough um, with the presidential cycle. Um, it, it's made me pretty tolerant of that. I can sleep at night. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so it's literally just over yeah. time. Yeah. You've yeah. It's just built up over time. Um, what is, so now, so now I know you've spoken about something about the very nature of American political mm-hmm. process. Yeah is broken at some fundamental level. Yeah. How do you analyze that? Or, or mm-hmm. what would you say about that? Um, I think, you know, when we're looking at, we're looking at this particular cycle, um, you're, you're looking at, at Bernie Sanders did an, an 
it looks like he's probably definitely lost, right? Um, I, it's unclear if he's accepted that, but it, but I think he's lost. Um, but he came as an independent, right, and and yeah. in, into the party and and really almost took over. And in many places, including in Hawaii, has taken over local parties or or people that that did are. Did you with see him that have. coming? Was that surprising to you, or did that make sense? No, that made sense too. I think. Yeah. Um, and then and then Donald Trump too, being an outsider, right? This is the year of the outsider. Yes. And while I don't actually, I think the outsiders have come from the extremes of both parties. I would love to see a centrist outsider. Um, oh, we don't have one of those yet, but um, the outsiders have kind of come from the extremes. And and but I think that's because people are so tired of establishment and this sort of binary system that we have, yes. where you can only pick a Republican or a Democrat, and it just it in a world where you can customize everything oh my word that was gonna be one of my questions okay yeah Yeah, it just there's really a there should be a spectrum of where you are on the political right i mean there should be a political spectrum not like an r or a d and that's all you have the yes because you you go to the store Mm -hmm. and you want the purple sweater i don't know why you're buying a purple sweater (laughs) and you're a medium and they don't have it in a medium you can go to a different store, right. but at some point, unless you're like really hardcore, at the second or third or maybe even the first, you're like, okay, apparently I'm not going to get the purple sweater medium. Right. Now, you just Google purple sweater medium right. and you get it. Right. So the idea that in the fundamental way we yeah. arrange and govern ourselves, I would just have this or this, mm-hmm. when I can get every variation of purple size, polyester, cashmere, right. um, in everything else in life. Yeah. Um, and that if I go with this or that, if I go with this, there's a whole bunch of other stuff I have to take with it that I think is crazy. Mm-hmm. And the same on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to me, which I would love you to intelligently help me understand, because I just sort of have the outside, is that this system, fun, this binary system mm-hmm. doesn't work. And it, in order for something new to come, the, the present thing has to literally be blown up. Yeah. It almost has to be yeah. like bombed from the inside yeah. so that out of the dust right. can come something like new, but like really new, not just change new, but like transition new. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I know for me and, and some of my colleagues earlier this year, we, we really looked at the way things were going and said, you know what, the whole thing might just have to burn down <laughs> and we really? might have to rebuild it. Yeah. I mean, that, that might be the only way. Um, and I think we're well on our way to that happening. Um, I think there are people, lo- people locally in Hawaii that would say that I, that, that I'm probably helping to burn it down. And I'm, I'm, that wasn't the goal. Oh, <laughs> um, but we do love burning things but, down, don't but we? But yes, <laughs> but yes. I mean, you get to make something new then. Oh, really? Better, that is a specific right? accusation of you. Oh, very much that so. That you are like. That I set out to destroy this, this party. That that was my goal, which was not my goal. But. You know, in a lot, in a lot of other areas the person, the heretic, or the mm-hmm. person who's saying out, to, it appears as though yeah. they're saying out to destroy it, is actually the person who is most faithful. Because this word radical comes from the Latin radix, mm-hmm. which means root. That mm-hmm. the, What appears to be radical is actually the return to the root. Mm. That the most traditional person yeah. is often the person appears as though they're trying to blow the whole thing up. Right. Because they actually believe in the initial impulse. Yeah. We actually should have a better life together. Right. <laughs> and I'm not blowing this up because I'm trying to destroy it. I just know that that's the way that we get at yeah. and, and what I this think, could yeah. be. Yeah, there's just, there's so many layers of just, 
um, the just the way of of establishment. There's so many layers. What's an ex- what's an everyday example that we all like? What's something that mm-hmm. that government is supposed to do that there's so many layers of bloated fat red tape or whatever mm-hmm. what's something that you see regularly that's just completely insane that could be fixed with a very sensible solution um i think this whole idea of of taxation and debt um we see at a national level like we're shutting down the government based on in, in theory like republicans are shutting down the government because they're concerned about the national debt or or they're upset about certain taxes or what but when you really the economy if we really sat down and looked at it and all looked at it from a very reasonable perspective and said, okay, we know that some people are going to have to give a little bit more to make it fair. And some people don't have enough. So we're going to have to make sure that they, they, they get more. And, and we sat down and looked at it instead of through the lenses of Republicans and Democrats and, well, we signed this pledge to never increase taxes. And we signed this pledge to make sure that um, we're, we're increasing welfare, whatever it is. If we just took away all the pledges and the the statements oh, that we made and sat down and just looked at the economy together, um, it, it's fixable. <laughs> Is it really? It's fixable. It yeah. It's just it's it's not it it's so gridlocked because everybody's made all of these statements and pledges and and layers and layers and layers of policies that oh that's so fascinating are abstract instead of looking at it practically. But actually. You who are on the inside, look at it. That movie, Dave. Did you ever mm-hmm. see that movie, Dave? I didn't. About no. this guy who looks like the president, and then he <laughs> steps in to the, be the president because the president uh-huh. goes down, and so he's faking to be president. Yeah. So he brings his friend, who's an accountant, I think it is, to the right. White House, and his friend looks at the national numbers, and has this, he's, has some line like, "If I ran my business like this, yeah, I could never make it." Right. There's this great line right. where this like guy from whatever state right. looks at the whole thing and says, "This could so." You actually have hope. Oh, it's fixable. I mean, if everybody would just decide to be practical and listen to each other and go, I think, and and I think like, and maybe this is me being naive, but I feel like if we had a decent plan, if politicians were actually working together and we went back to the American public and just said, hey, listen, you guys over here, you're going to have to give a little bit more. But when you do, this is why. Yeah. This is where it's going to go. We're going to be able to get out of debt. We're going to be able to do this. We're, th- these are the goals. I actually think most Americans would say, yeah, okay. I'm willing to pay a little bit more there. I'm willing to cut a little bit here. Just because I, 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 I guess I just believe in the goodness of like, the American because, people. Well, the, the greatest moments in history yeah. ask not what your country can right. do for you. Right. People actually love the idea of sacrifice. Yeah. They look yeah. back on that with nostalgia. Right. Like, remember when everybody had to right. chip in for the war effort? Right. Those are the moments that get sort of, they become yeah. icons or they get rich, they, they get held up as like, this was yeah. us at our best. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I actually wonder if in the future world, politicians will run and, and people are like, well, what will you do for me? Like all those town hall meetings, something like, right. what will you do? There'll be this lady who's like, I hurt my elbow bowling, you know, President Obama, <laughs> right. what will you do for me? Yeah. This stuff like, like President Obama would be like, well, I'll be there on Thursday. Can you make Thursdays? I'll be there on Thursday. Right. But if the, if there was a politician who came along and just said, I w- I'm not going to make one promise. Yeah. And actually I'm interested in what you can give. Yeah. And here are my demands of you. Yeah. That you are willing to stretch a little. Yeah. And you are willing to sacrifice a little. And I'm not owned by anybody because 
the only way forward is all of us are going to hurt a little. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, I yeah. wonder if the, it'll be the opposite of, I'm going to do this for this group and this. It'll be, right. I'm, I have zero promises. Right. You might actually get hosed for the next three years. Right. Right, right. There's always a chance that year four, five, right, and six, right. and we all might actually be in some new place. And I think that's gonna that, something like that would resonate, right? I, it would with me because I'd be like, you know, you're probably telling the truth. <laughs> right. You're the first like person. Like a TV yeah. ad that's like, it's about to get a lot worse. Right. And then, hey, there's a chance it could get better. Vote right. for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That we would, I would resonate so fast. Yeah. I would be like that person. I'm in. Yeah. Me too. So. So a lot of like all of this giant debt stuff. Yeah. So I also wonder, because what we've seen with the past eight years is mm-hmm. it seems like, like, oh, President Obama has this idea, this, this, yeah. this, this, and then you have no, no, yeah. no, yeah. which you can kind of do in two party. But if you had seven parties, right, it would right. be like, okay, what's the problem? Right. Okay, let's fix it. Right. You don't have as much of like, well, we're the part. Like, if you're the seventh party, and you're like, well, we're just going to say no. People will be like, well, the six of us then will do it. Right, right, yeah. I think if if we broke out of that binary system, yeah, really, then then it would make things a lot less gridlocked. It would, yeah. Because the sort of that giant, we're just gonna stand yeah. in the way of all yeah people will be like okay fine you guys just you can go sit and have coffee right. we're actually gonna like we're gonna leave. get this done yeah and i think that's been my biggest frustration with politics now and being involved in politics at this moment in history is so much of it is theater it and and so many times we'll we'll be on the floor and people will people will criticize me not for my votes but because well you didn't you didn't tell the democrats that that they were bad for this reason. Or you didn't yell enough, right? You didn't say no loud that? enough. Oh, all the time. You've been told you didn't yell enough. You didn't yell enough. Um, I like this other guy because he's always yelling and, and he's always telling them why they suck. And okay, but has he passed any bills? So it's n- <laughs> you've <laughs> literally been told it's not enough to get stuff done. No. You didn't in the process uh, no. degrade the other side. Right. Right, right. It, it is because you didn't attack Democrats enough, you are not standing up for Republicans. And I just, how, how, why, why is attacking them have anything to do with who we are? Like it, but, but that's what's demanded now. And oh my word. It is insane, as insane as some, oh yeah. as it appears. Oh, it's, it's, it's as crazy as it appears. And that's why, like, for me, our current presidential nominee. It's not surprising because I know, I know that people regularly demand. It doesn't matter if the policies are oh. there. They want the rhetoric. That's what people want. You, you at the grassroots level watching how the system works, mm-hmm. this system was bound to yeah. produce that. Right. This is what the party wanted was somebody with the words. It doesn't even matter if, and especially because you have a lot of conservatives getting on board with Donald Trump and he's not has not proven to have any conservative policies, but conservatives I don't think are, he's proven to have any policies. Well, correct, anyway. yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> and so, but when you confront them that, with that, they say, well, but I, I like that he's he wants to ban Muslims. Okay, but... How, that's yeah, not an answer or a solution okay, to anything. Yeah, you're just like, okay. Um, but, but that's what people wanted, is somebody just to say, we're going to build a wall. Okay, like that. That's all. That's all people wanted. They didn't want any more than that. And so to have a politician finally come along and say, you know what, I'm not even going to bother with any of the actual real stuff. I'm just going to say what people want to hear. Um, yeah, 
that this system was going to produce this nominee. So it's almost like it had to produce this in yeah. order to blow up at such a level that you could then make. Yeah. So, yeah. so fantastically strange. years wow. of me watching this system going, oh, this is going to go bad. Um, and now, now here's our nominee. And, and I think as, as we, as he got there, I really had to make the decision, is this worth talking about or not? Like, should I just be quiet? And not say anything and just hope that this passes? Or is it time to be like, hey, guys? No, I'm here to tell you on behalf of all my peoples. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to speak up. You ha yeah, it, I couldn't not say anything. It was supposed to be me. That's, and that's how I felt is I just, I'm here for no reason at all if I don't say something right now. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. So great. So you set out to be an English professor and now you're being yeah. accused of blowing up a political party. Right. Yeah. It's very That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> for your first part of your life. Yeah. It'll give me something to write about maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Have you um, considered writing out some of your, your yeah. vision, your ideas, your thoughts about all this? Yeah. I think um, what I'm working on this year is I, at the beginning of the year, once I once I expected Donald Trump was going to be our nominee. I thought, you know what? I'm going to write basically a memoir of what it what it was like to be in the Republican Party as a minority millennial female in this moment in history. Because yeah, yikes, um, and and how how I think there's still hope because that's I mean that's what it is is yeah. there there's still so much hope. Yeah, I pick that up from you that people just don't people don't see it and and I think within the current process and people that are in the current parties maybe maybe they don't they don't want any of what i'm selling got it but people outside the people parties do. there's a lot of people i mean and there are way more people outside the political parties than inside the parties right right um so so the people outside are the people i care about because politics is something good at its heart. It's something we can do Absolutely. to make life better. Our shared life together. How yeah. we organize and, oh, our shared life Oh, and I love that. I, I, I loved that podcast and that line. Because, um, yeah, it just, it's it's something good. and and But it can only be good if we get more people in it that are not in it right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I love, I, I'm so inspired by you. Thank you. It's just fantastic. <laughs> and yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, Beth, Beth Fukumoto, I, I, um, everybody remember, I think everybody should remember your name. Thank because you. I think you, Thank you. you give us great hope. I'm, I'm fascinated in how, uh, you know, once a preacher, always a preacher. Mm -hmm. There's this great section in, in the New Testament in the book of Romans about how hope uh, comes out of character, which comes out of perseverance. Yeah. That hope is not a like a nice, happy feeling that you have in the moment. Hope is something that's formed in you. Mm -hmm. It's something that because you kept going, yeah, you discover down the road that you're actually hopeful, but it's a hope that got earned. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is you've been in the slog, the day-to-day the -day grind of how government actually works. And what it did is it didn't make you more cynical. It made you more hopeful. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I find so counterintuitive and what I've seen in so many different people is they were down in the in the pure undiluted slog of it and they came out going actually we could do this yeah and yeah. that's so so compelling to me yeah we have this uh 
in Hawaii right now. If any if anybody ends up Googling um, Beth Fukumoto, they're going to pull up a whole list of um, uh, articles about me blowing up the party, probably. Um, but uh, we're going we're we're going through this sort of regeneration in Hawaii right now, and, and maybe it's not regeneration. Maybe it's just destruction. But um, <laughs> I like to think that we're we're yeah. we're creating something. And um, you know, I there was this moment in, in our in our recent convention. Um, I got up there and I, I said what I thought about Donald Trump. I said, I think he's a racist. I think he's a sexist. And I don't think that he represents what our party's values should be. And uh, gosh, the booze. <laughs> I actually got booed. Um, and they, uh, in that moment, I had so much hope for the party. Because I thought, you know what? I remember standing there looking at all these people thinking there are so much more people outside that don't represent what you guys think right here. And hopefully in this moment, this gets out enough that people start to get engaged. Then they go, oh, wow, this party is going the wrong way and we got to get involved. And um, yeah, I just, I hope that I can inspire people to be more hopeful. Oh, you're fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. For coming on the Robcast. Thank you. And um, down the road, we'll have to have you back to tell us what, what's See how next. it goes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you thank so much. You. All right, everybody. Grace and peace.